Baseball. America's game. Of the most dramatic moments in the history of sports. It's about connection. makes the pitch up against the wall. And now, with Apple TV Plus, Friday Night Baseball comes home. Is this happening? It is. Friday Night Baseball, streaming on Apple TV Plus. No one is slowing down in this hiring race for the best talent. And offering the right benefits may help you reward and retain your team, helping them feel valued, motivated, and ready for the future. And that can make all the difference for your business. Principal offers retirement and group benefit plans, customized to help you meet your goals. Your company's future depends on its people. Show them they are valued and give them the tools they need to succeed. Talk to your financial professional today about the right benefits and retirement plans from Principal and visit us at Principal.com business. This message was brought to you by Principal Financial Group, but it's important to our wonderful lawyers that we share our legal name, which is the Principal Life Insurance Company, Des Moines, Iowa. For important information about our products, visit Principal.com disclosures. On this week's episode of Unwritten. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. Up against the windows. A long home run for Judge. We are ready to assess the free agent class of 2022. Who made the right call? Who made the wrong call? And he gets Duggar looking for his 10th strikeout of the night. What a finish to his first home start as a Met for Max Scherzer. Hello and welcome to Unwritten from Odyssey and MLB. My name is Ron Darling. With me is Jimmy Rollins. Today we're talking all about the unwritten rules of money in baseball. Contracts, free agency, arbitration, and how getting paid can change a player's place in the game. Seven-time All-Star Michael Young will join us. But first I want to ask you, Jimmy, the numbers are a little different when I played, when you played. The different the numbers are always different <laughs> as it keeps going on and on. But uh, yes. what was your experience as a big league ball player and contracts? Um, you know, there, there are stages, obviously, um, when you're younger, uh, to when you're older and feel like you have a right to ask and, um, I must say ask, ask for more money, you know, for your services and understanding the dynamics of, you know, them paying for future services and then paying for past services. And I think, you know, it's changed when, from when you were playing to when I was playing, I speak on that and I'll let you speak on your time. It was almost like you're always getting paid for what you had done in the past, weighed against what you may possibly do in the future and understanding that the time is running out. You know, you were still you still had to do the at least four and a half to five years before you thought about getting a long term deal. And that's how teams treated you. Um, and then, you know, you're going to compare the numbers to a guy that's playing your position uh, where they were um, in their career as far as timing, their age, all those different things. So. Um, you know, in, in today's game, which I think they're doing it the, the correct way, is they're getting a young player pr- trying to project them out for as long as, they, as he can and buying up his future. And they're getting a lot of money early, giving these kids security. Uh, but I don't know how to navigate that and as in what to ask for, because that's completely different as opposed to, you know, this guy got that at this age, at this point in his career. And that's how I'm going to compare myself from my past. And they're going to pay me for that and a little bit for the future. Today they're buying out for the full, for the uh, full future, so I think it's a great uh, thing to happen. I don't think 
as much today as it was in the past that people don't talk about the money in their contracts in the past. You know, some guys wanted to, some guys didn't, but it's all public knowledge. So you have to do all you have to do is, you know, Google. I don't even know if Google was uh, was around then, but, uh, you know, your agent could find out. And, 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 right. And, and, and you can you can find out what it is. So um, I like the way that it's going as opposed to the past where you felt like you had to prove for five or six years. And then just to get to that point, and they say, were you too old to get, you know, a five or six year deal? We can give you three with an option, two with an option. So I like the way it's happening now. And uh, hopefully that is something that continues uh, to happen and, you know, paying the guys forward as opposed to paying uh, for things they've done in arrears. You know, Michael, it's not always an easy path uh, to what you do on the field and what you think you should be paid by the team. That can sometimes get acrimonious at times. For sure, especially when you go through the kind of what Jimmy was saying, you know, when, when we were coming up, it was the arbitration process, something players really look forward to. And the thing that was in vogue then was you can get a contract in your early years to buy out your arbitration years. And sure enough, a club's going to try and slap on one or two options at the end of that. And then you got to wait a couple more years until you're a free agent. And then even though you just ate those option years, now they're trying to convince you why you're not going to be worth it in those two years at the end of the free agent year. So I think one thing that players are doing now, which I think is absolutely brilliant, is that this is 100% a business. There is no such thing as doing them a solid. No. Oh. You go out there and you go out there and you whatever you think you're worth, you go and you get it and you let it be from the beginning. So I agree with Jimmy. I think it's great these players are going to capitalize early. You look at Julio's contract with Seattle. It was super creative on both ends, so he's going to have massive security. But then again, if he maxes out on what his considerable ability is, he's going to have just a huge contract and something that he's going to be incredibly proud of. So I, I do like the way it's headed now when you're trying to project these players' future worth. You'll love uh, when, when I first started out after my second year, it wasn't called the Super 2, but if you're a, a certain level of player, you could go to arbitration. So I went twice to arbitration, two years in a row. The first year I should have won, I lost. The second year I should have lost, and I won. And both processes were so funny because the first year I went in there and um, it was my first taste of your agent saying how much you do for the club, where you stand in the game, what other pitchers, you know, that I, I kind of relate to or, com, you know, compare to. And then the team will come in and say, well, he really doesn't. We think he compares to this guy. And you're like, what? I, I mean, I don't compare to that guy. But I, I lost that first year. But my second year I won, and I'll tell you how I won. So the Mets made a big deal, and this was 100% true, that Dwight Gooden, when he pitched, would put fannies in the seats. And they said, he does not put fannies in the seats, so we don't, uh, don't think we should pay for this guy. So you have about 10 minutes to have a rebuttal where you can come back and say, hey, you either put people in the seats or, you know, he's such a good player, he should get paid this or whatever. We looked, and I pitched on bat day and hat day. So they had full, <laughs> they had like 55,000 at Shea Stadium. So it kicked up my um, attendance above Dwight Gooden's that year, not because I, I was even compared to Dwight, but because uh, I pitched on the right days, not the wrong days. So that year I won, and it was the first year that I won a contract for over a million dollars. And I remember after I was done, and my dad's a, a, a foreman of a machine shop, for 50 years he was. And after it was done, you know, I didn't know, how do you act? Like, I, I was telling my folks and my wife, I said, we should go have, like, a, a beer or something, you know, to celebrate. And um, she was like, yeah, let's go have a beer and let's call your dad and tell him. I was like, 
I don't think I can call my dad, man. This is a very strange thing, you know? This man has worked his ass off his entire life as a formative machine shop, and here I am, the silly little ball player after his third year is going to make, you know, bank. Like, that conversation just can't happen. You know, he'll be proud, and I'll be happy, and I'll be proud and happy, but I don't think we need to ha- ever have that conversation, you know? <laughs> uh, did, did, did you guys ever go to arbitration? No, and that was something I was going to ask about, ask about because I never went to arbitration. I've heard all the horror stories, <clears throat> excuse me, and I think that is one place that players don't touch. They don't discuss their arbitration cases. They may give a couple highlights. Can you believe these? Emma for said this and that, and that's about all you get. So, you know, I had always heard, you know, you never want to go to arbitration. Unfortunately, I didn't have to go to arbitration. Uh, the Phillies, you know, kept me in on, on, on the good side of things, and we avoided that, and I got a contract in, uh, I think, maybe midway through my fourth season or some, somewhere around, around those lines. But why is it, uh, do you think that people or the players don't like to talk about arbitrations because it be, it's something personal where I know cases you've been busting your butt plant injured and they praise you in the clubhouse and then they get into the courtroom or whatever it is and they use that against you. Yeah, I honestly think I, that would drive me crazy. It, uh, <laughs> I had a similar experience to Jimmy. I didn't go to arbitration either. I got a, uh, my first contract bought up my arbitration years after my, I think I was two days short of being a super two. So I, uh, they bought up my arbitration years and then I signed a second contract later on, but so I didn't have to go through it. But again, to, to your point, I, that would be tough to take. I think I'd, I would go in there thinking the same thing every player does. Hey, it's just business, not personal. Your agent gives you the little pump up thing to not take it personally. But the second that <laughs> you're in there, and again, like Jimmy said, you play banged up, you try and do A, B, C, and D to help the team. And the second I think I would hear that from my own team, there's no way to go but take it personally. At least, at least your initial knee-jerk reaction. I'm sure like cooler heads have prevailed, but that'd be really, really difficult to do. And uh, I think some players actually kind of feed off of it, uh, and they take it into next year and use it for a little bit of fuel. You know, Michael, I was thinking that you, of all of us here, went through a period of time where history was kind of being made. Alex signs that big contract in Texas. You guys are all there. And I think sometimes teams will use it where they'll say, hey, listen, we're paying this guy all this money. You know, there's not enough left in the kitty for everyone else. Did you ever have to go through that? I did not because okay. I was in my pre-arb years there. My rookie year was uh, Alex's first year there. So I was there. My first three years were there when Alex, Alex was three years there. But we let – I do know when Alex was there, I know Pudge went through it because Pudge uh, didn't get re-signed. Uh, Palmero went through it because Rafi didn't get re-signed. Mm-hmm. So it was really, really interesting for established guys who were already there, who already mm-hmm. had these incredible runs, and they didn't get retained. So, you know, the team's going to offer up a lot of a lot of reasons why that, that wouldn't happen, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that Alex's contract was one of those reasons.
Hey there. Hey there. Thanks for checking out First and Pod on the Odyssey Podcast Network. My name is Danny Parkins from 670 The Score in Chicago. And I'm Andrew Filippone from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. And every Friday morning and every Monday morning, you're going to get full previews and full recaps of every NFL week. Our opinions, our picks, we mock each other, we occasionally will celebrate each other, and we're going to be interacting with you. It's a new podcast. Check it out on the Odyssey Podcast Network. Subscribe, rate, review, wherever you find your podcast. We appreciate you checking out First and Pod. Now the 2-1 pitch is swung on and a high fly ball into deep left center field. Back goes Sheffield at the wall. Leaps in the air and that's gone. And so Michael Young, the kid from Los Angeles, comes home to hit a home run at Dodger Stadium. And that's got to be a lovely moment in his life. That's his first home run. No, I was just thinking, you guys, I, I know, are two guys that probably when you took young guys out to dinner, uh, you probably picked up the tab. What's the unwritten rule as far as the guys who make more <laughs> money than others and how you pick up the tab, but sometimes you're out with the whole infield and everyone's making bank, and then you got to what? Put the credit cards in a hat? Like, what's the unwritten <laughs> rule uh, for dinner and paying? Uh, I, I'll take this one first um, because it, 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 it becomes a, a complete role reversal from being the young guy, not knowing what the rules are. You're going out to dinner and in your mind, you're like, all oh, these dudes are making millions of dollars and here I am making a couple hundred. And, you know, and sometimes you're the one that want to get the guys together. Hey, let's go out. I, you know, you have a friend, you're at home, whatever, and you want to take them out. And so I know it happened to me. We're going out to dinner uh, with uh, all, all the, the older guys, Kevin Jordan, Brian Hunter, Marlon Anderson, Doug Glanville. We had, we had Skinny B and Big B. Yeah, we had, I played with both Brian Hunters, which is funny at the same time. So that's how I identified them, Skinny B, Skinny B or Big B. And we go out to eat. And I'm used to, you know, just everybody paying their own portion, you know, get the bill, breaking it down. And so the bill comes and I go to reach for my reach for my wallet. And I want to say it was Rob Person. He looked, he grabbed my hand as if I was a criminal. He looked at me, he said, Don't you ever grab your wallet unless you're the highest paid player at the table. And so for me, that was that I mean that that was a golden ticket. It's like I cannot wait to go out with you guys every every time on the road to go eat. But as you get older, and now you're the older player, and you go out and you have an infield, as you say, where everybody's making a whole bunch of money, even if you're not the highest paid player i think it goes by ranking like your importance to the team are you the number one guy you're the number two guy and if you're the number one you can defer it like hey i picked up last time it's on you not that you will ever do that but you can but i think as 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 the roles reverse and you're no longer the the young kid you're the the tenured player and you have an important role i think that person whoever is the number one number two picks up the bill and you eat it it could be five grand. It could be seven grand. It could be four <laughs> bottles of two thousand dollars champagne. You don't know what's on there. You know what you're getting yourself into. So, for those who are listening, the younger players, you want to make sure that you go out with the older players initially because one day that will be you. That was, I mean, I literally this is like the exact same thing that happened to me growing up, coming up through coming up through Texas. We had a lot of guys who were making a lot of money. I had the same thing happen to me. I reached my wallet. Someone grabbed my hand wow. and said, you'll never pay for a thing again. And he just said, hey, listen, man, just do yourself a favor and, you know, 
you know, make your mom proud, like lots of please and thank yous and all that cool stuff. So I was like, oh, I could do that for a free meal. That's easy stuff for me. Easy. But then sure enough, right, you now you now you get a couple more years in and uh you know for me it was I had no problem paying for it. If that if it was if it was my time, I think it was like Jimmy, the guys who kind of had a certain role on the team, you kind of just assume that it was you. Uh, but then you go out with enough guys for for, for the longest time. And all the guys who are, you know, if I'm, if I was in in Texas and it was me and Ian Kim's or an Adrian Beltran, and everyone's doing okay, you know, no one's starving. Uh, it was kind of just we we kind of just mentally, like, hey, I got the last one, you got this one, you got this one. But meanwhile, the young guys are just sitting there, kind of like, hey, when's the dessert coming? Right? They don't they don't right. care what's going on. So uh, that's that's when you know you're in a good spot. Though when you have, I mean, when you just have a lot of guys who are there who enjoy each other's company, like that's when you're in a, you know, that, that's money well spent right there. You know, Michael, I was just thinking that you're on the other side of it now. You're working in the front office with Chris Young. Not, not that I want you to divulge any secrets, but um, it, it's got to be different, right, to be on the other side of it and, and looking at it really as players should have looked at it the entire time. They should have looked at them as a brand and a business. And you're working on the other side where it's business all the time. Yeah. I think that the, I was pretty consistent all along when I first got this job that when it came down to contracts, uh, I wanted no part of it. I said, I said, you guys don't want me to be part of it because I want them to make every last cent they can. I, I, I can't switch that off. So you guys don't want me a part of this thing. So if anything, it was a lot of players coming to me. And once the team kind of understood that, they, they actually know that, you know, because the arbitration process can be kind of acrimonious, they were good about, hey, listen, well, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it could be something good here where the player can have someone they go to in the front office they actually trust. And it can walk them through some of these steps where it can be smooth sailing for everybody. Because at the end of the day, that's the ideal goal, right? Everyone's happy. Team gets the deal they want. Player's happy with what he's making. And then we go out and try and, try and you know, hang up some Ws. That's, uh, you know what I find so interesting about these contracts that Jimmy alluded to, right? Trying to take care of these young superstars or the guys that you identify that is going to be not only a superstar, He's going to be an MVP type player. He's going to be great for your organization. He's going to stay healthy. All of those things that you have to try to identify. But can you imagine, Jimmy, being a 22, 23-year-old kid and you're making 25 a year? Can I, yes, I can imagine. I'm going to close my eyes right now. can't imagine a young Jero getting that much money. And, you know, even more than money, just the security, because that's yeah. some one thing when you're a young player, you're uncertain. Um, you're still trying to prove that you can play here at a high level. You've done it in the minor leagues, probably every step um, along the way until that point. And you don't know where you fit into the politics of, of the organization all the time. Yes, you were in the good graces, but as a minor leaguer, now you appear with higher paid players guys that are established all-stars, maybe even won the World Series for this organization, where do I fit in? And so to get the money is one thing. Yes, you know, we, we play to win, and ultimately that's going to be our livelihood when we're out of the game, you know, how we, how much money we're, we're able to retain, not how much we make, but how much we're able to retain, but having a security that I can take a deep breath and just focus on my career, going out to be the best player I can be because the contract is done. I'm here for five years, six years, and I'm good to go. I'm, I'm good to go. So I think in a lot of ways that gives players more certainty than we had. <laughs> you know, we were, hey, you got to go out and prove it again. You had a great year. Here's a $5,000 raise. Here's a $50,000 raise. Go go out and do it again. Um, where these kids are saying, even if you have a, me a mediocre year, you know you're going to be with this next year because we believe in you and we showed you that 
by giving you that money. Uh, but when I get the money, I hope they hope these kids are <laughs> really they really have a great team and can uh, help their money to grow and not just go out the window because we're all going to go buy things, going to buy a house, a car, some jewelry, take care of the family. That's going to happen. And it should, you know, in what order you choose, that's up to you. But more than anything, putting the money in, 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 a, in a vehicle, that's going to help it grow. So when you're out the game, uh, you have enough money to pretty much decide what you want to do with the rest of your life. You know, Michael, there is something to be said, though, of, of playing with a little chip on your shoulder um, being underpaid and knowing it, um, sometimes would you lose that drive if you made that kind of dough? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. It's tough to say, right? Because you look right now with guys who are making, you know, say a ton of money right now, right? I think the one thing that leaks so far has done a good job of is identifying the players that are worthy of those contracts, right? Um, and you have, and ideally, you have a team like say Seattle. You you don't want guys to play five and a half years for these teams and then go to LA, Chicago, New York, or Boston. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you want to be able to spread the wealth. You want, ideally, Major League Baseball wants every franchise to be valuable, right? I mean, Seattle's showing. I mean, they have, that's the home of Ken Griffey Jr. and Ichiro. I mean, they're showing it could be a really cool place to play baseball. So it's good that Julio is staying there. Again, it's a contract that makes sense for him because think about it. you got a guy like Mookie Betts, right, just a future Hall of Fame incredible player, leaves Boston and goes to New York, right? Still got his money anyway. So you got Bryce Harper uh, leaves the Nats in Philly. Still got his money anyway. Um, Manny Machado. There's guys like that that exist. So now they're basically doing these guys are going to. I think teams are recognizing when you have these generational type talents, they're getting their money elsewhere. So you have to make a decision if you're going to be the one that kind of pay him because he's going to get it no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I think they're, they you look at you know a Tatis and a Julio and you know Soto was potentially going to be in that category if he had signed his deal. Um, so again, you're, these guys are going to get their money anyway. They're going to get paid through their late thirties anyway, if they're these, these unbelievable generational type talents. So if teams can do a good job identifying Ron, to your point, the kind of personally on if they're going to mm-hmm. stay hungry because you can make the art that trout and Mookie and Bryce are all staying hungry and they got a lot of money coming their way. So again, it's just identifying the individual and what he's kind of made of. So true. I, I remember the scene from Goodfellas. I don't know if you guys remember the scene, but they just, um, heisted the, Lufthansa uh, payroll, right? Mm-hmm. And all of them come to the bar to get paid that night. And Robert De Niro tells them, "Do not buy anything. Do don't not buy do anything. A, don't, buy don't buy anything. anything. <laughs> don't let anyone know what's going <laughs> on the first here." Thing right. so, first thing you did. So for you two, because I know what happens when you first make a lot of money, you buy something, whether it's a house or whatever. But sometimes you buy something a little more luxurious, but you can't tell anybody because you got to play play it humble. You got to play it as humble as you can. What did you guys buy? Do you remember? Um, that you didn't tell anyone on the team. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think, you know, for me, for me, you know what I did, Ron? I, I always thought I was kind of smart when it came to money. Yeah. I had a house. The first thing I did when I came to Texas, I bought a house here so I can establish state residency here. Mm-hmm. Smart. But then I, uh, you know, I'm, but I'm a California kid, right? So I <laughs> bought a house in California and I remember I was like, kind of 50 50 i'm like damn i, I, I kind of might overextend it here man i'm not making that much i was still in my year before year three yeah so here i am with two houses and i'm like i don't know what I'm, i mean i'm kind of like you know biting my nails a little bit so the first deal that i signed i actually did just to go to the house in california and like i could stop sweating that i knew i could actually pay for the house that i was that i that i got i kind of overextended for so yeah that was probably the only time i ever in my life i ever overextended and i got lucky i was able to pay for it that's a few months after smart that. that's smart how about you j-roll 
Uh, and, and, it's, and it's good that you did it early, too. You know, a lot, a lot of guys do that much later in their career. That's right. Uh, that I didn't tell anyone about. I mean, I, I mean, if you know me, I mean, not, not that I'm going to tell you about it, but you're going to see it. You're going to see it. Uh, but the first thing I did was uh, paid off my parents' house, um, which was, for me, admirable. Then I went and got a 760 uh, BMW. Nice. And I'd always said, I was like, because I, I like the 7 Series. Um, the 745s were coming out and I went to the dealership and it was like, well, you can get a 745 now, but we have a 760, um, the LI coming out. And I'm like, well, what does that look like? What's the difference? <laughs> Explain it to me in a V8 versus the V12. And I was, I remember I went out to a club in Philly. This is right before I signed. And it was a foot, it was somebody from the Eagles there. And he had a 760 white, um, BMW 760 LI which was my car. The difference was he had black interior. I'm like, that's where you messed up. You got to have the gray interior with the 760. <laughs> so as soon as I made, I said, when I make over a million dollars, that's going to be the first gift for me. Then I'll just start worrying about the rest. Uh, when I got my deal, I showed up about a week later in a white uh, Alpine white BMW 760 Li with the gray interior. And it was sweet. Nice. You know, that's a good one. BMW LI stands for lots more iron. That's what it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you two, would you, would you, is there anything you would have done differently, you think, uh, as far as uh, your contracts um, as a young player? Uh, do you think there's, you look back and go, boy, I wish I had done that, or I wish I had approached the team to do this, or are you happy how it went? Um, you know, for me, I'm happy I went, you know, I think when you, when, she, when people talk about all the time, when you finish playing, you kind of able to count your blessings a little bit. And I have, I'd have a lot of nerve to ask for more at this point, but <laughs> I think, uh, I think to your point, Ron, like I, I knew I was outperforming my first contract. Um, and I kind of had like, like you said, a little bit of chip in my shoulder that I knew I could maybe like, you know, take it to the hoop in the second one. <laughs> um, so I, it's hard for me to, I know I could have done better, but it's hard for me to regret it. Right. Because yeah. it worked out, you know, I was, I was super hungry for the next one and it, and it all worked out. So, you know, I, w I wouldn't change a thing. Um, you know, it was a good relationship with me and Texas here. So everything worked out great. Uh, for me, only thing that I would have done differently is I uh, waited before I signed my first year because I signed middle of the season and, you know, I'd, I'd always bet on myself. That was never mm. any question about that. I, I think every player should bet on themselves. You should believe in yourself. And that's also showing the organization, uh, in my opinion, that you have more to offer. You know, this is where they see you now, but just wait till I really get to my pinnacle and see what I'm worth. Uh, and the reason being is, you know, you're throwing this much money. And in my first contract, I was in between um, Orlando Cabrera and, Ag and Aguirre Renteria. So the money was right. It's, it was nothing about the money. It was just I wanted to prove that I can be better than them. And because if I do that, then that means I'm going to be able to make more money or ask more money and not be sandwiched in between. And it, and it was probably, you know, like looking at all the numbers considered, it was probably right where I was slotted. But I'm always a guy like Mikey. It doesn't matter what you think I'm worth. I feel I can show you that I'm worth more. Now, whether mm. you recognize that and I get uh, rewarded or awarded for that is one thing, but I wanted to prove and prove out. And that was 05, then I had a great 06. And I would have been, if I went up the free agency, it would have led up to the 07 season, which obviously I won MVP. So what would that number have mm. been? And Sam would happen to the shortstops right after that, Jose Reyes, uh, Elvis Andrews, you know, guys that were coming in, they're getting hundred million dollars. And I'm like, so you're telling me I'm not worth that. But uh, that's where it worked out. I'm not upset about anything. That's the only thing I would have done, which 
today's game, they don't make the kids wait. They project that out and they're paying them early. But then, you know, speak with my agents. Like, if you know, here's a lot of money. If you get hurt, the money comes off the table. You have to weigh all those things. And it's like, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's 40-something million dollars guaranteed. Like, why wouldn't I take that at the same time? So the only thing I would have done is continue, like, as I did my whole career, just better myself and see where the chips fall. But sometimes they're throwing a bag at you you got to grab it dog you know it's, yeah. it's hard to look back because it's all time and place right it's a different yep. time right. a different place high fly ball left center taylor on the run on the track at the wall he's done it again see ya a walk-off home run by and the Yankees win one nothing. High drive, left field, going back, Kane, turning, locking, see ya. Number fifty-five, double nickels. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to contemporary, but I'll first start in 1941. Joe DiMaggio hits in 56 straight games. After the season, they asked him what he's going to ask for in his contract. He said when he goes in, he's going to say, howdy, partner, right? So I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking about, and, and Michael and I were talking about this before we came on air today, about Aaron Judge. And I know, Jimmy, you just talked about betting on yourself. But is there anyone who's been in a better position than this young man right now? I don't think so. I, I, I mean, he, he has stuck to his word and said hey we get something done before the deal i mean before the year starts these are my numbers and you either see them or i'll go out and make you pay more and right now he is definitely going out to make them pay more the number of years we don't know but he's definitely probably going to have the aav that Mm -hmm. he wants and that is going to be astronomical Uh, he plays a position that's very demanding he's not just a dh he goes out there play center field um, and I'm sure he has good defensive wars. He can run balls down. He can throw. He knows what he's doing. He's always in the right spot. So that's the type of player that I would want on my team. Um, that's the type of mentality that I wish that all players have, especially if, if they don't feel the numbers are right. Um, and it's usually for the, the, the medium to older players. Not that he's old. He's what, 30, 31 or something that, of that sort. But in the sense that he was a late bloomer, I think he still has so much more mm-hmm. to give. And and he's right. Look, they're only going you only you have a window to make this money. That is it. When that window's over, they're not giving you that jersey back. They're not giving those contracts back. So take as much as that window as you can and make as much as you can. And sometimes you have to understand, I'm going to bet on me. I understand yes, I've been injured, I've been that, but I know my body, I know how I feel, and I know what I still have left in the tank. And he's going out and proving that. Yeah, I think I think I agree with Jimmy makes really, really great points. I think the biggest thing that Jimmy said that, that every kind of high level big leader can relate to is that the good ones really do bet on themselves. Mm-hmm. And in order to bet on yourselves, you have to understand for Aaron Judge to turn down $31 million a year. And he knows this is his last contract. This is it. Yeah. This is the one he's going to get. The level of confidence that man must have <laughs> to say, no, no chance. 217 or whatever, 217, 218, whatever yeah. they reported. To say no thank you to that. I mean, no thank you. That, that's, that's hey, mom and dad, you're good. Hey, brother, sister, you're good. Hey, great, great, great grandkids. <laughs> that's right. You're going you're, you're gonna, to you're gonna go to Yale just like Ron Darling. Good job, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's, that's the 
level of confidence this man has and to go out and have this season i'm i'm i don't know aaron judge never met him i am thrilled for him yeah. to be able to do this and you talk about leverage the team he's doing it for right now Oof. is the new york yankees Print they money. know they have to have Aaron. like after this season <laughs> they absolutely have to have aaron judge on their team yeah right so unbelievable leverage because all, all he's already the most one of the most unique position players of all time people mm -hmm. don't come around looking like this i mean i guess maybe dave winfield before judge yeah. did like mm -hmm. i mean it, it's it's super super unique stuff that he's doing right now so i mean he's got the new york yankees and a bunch of other teams that are going to trip over themselves and try to sign him if the yankees don't so yes i, I would agree i i've never seen a player in this in this uniquely sweet spot in terms of leverage yeah he's going to be in, a, in an interesting place because all of us that have gone through uh, contracts uh, know that you want to get the most years for the most money, right? But we've seen now the history of long-term contracts, and I'm talking about 10-year contracts, and where the player is at the end of that contract. They're kind of in harm's way sometimes, right, as far as um, you know what they can do at 39, 40, 41 years old. So it's going to be interesting that maybe Aaron Judge might be the first guy that says, hey, just give me five at 60 and I'll take it to the house. I mean, he could be the first person to do something like that. It's definitely possible. And, and it was funny. I'm, I was thinking of teams who, who, who can afford that? I mean, the, the Dodgers payroll is already extremely high. Um, Giants, Giants, Giants they, they're going to be dumping a lot of money, but do, mm -hmm. do you want to go somewhere where they're kind of, do, do we say rebuilding? I mean, sure. they were competitive last year and look at the season they have having this year. Um, San Diego just brought over Juan Soto, so you can't have two guys asking for a billion dollars between them. You know, where wh wh where does he go? I would love to see him come out, come back west. I mean, he's from here. Yeah. We're West Coast kids. We like to bring everybody west. Oakland can't afford him, unfortunately. But you know, <laughs> where, where 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 does he go? Is is Yankees? You know, the 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 the, the really the only place for him that can really we can say truly afford to pay him that much money over that short period of a time. I think we mentioned the Giants. Yeah. Um, I would say the dark horse here, the extreme dark horse, will be the team right across town. Oh, boy. Could you imagine if the Mets hopped in this thing? That's right. That could get super dicey. <laughs> so, again, I, I think he's got the Yankees right where he wants them. But, again, I don't, I don't, I'm not a Yankee. I don't work for the Yankees. I don't yeah. know what they're thinking. I'm always speculating. But, but, I mean, could you imagine if the Mets hopped in? I mean, that would be Aaron Judge's perfect storm right there, man. Perfect storm. Oh, man. I mean, that's the key for him. I mean, at some point you think – and, like, I don't know Aaron Judge. I don't know where he wants to go, where he wants to play. But it always works the same way. Got to get some teams involved. And you get teams yeah. involved, then the mothership gets a little a little anxious. And that's all he needs. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Michael, 100%. thank you for so much for joining us. I appreciate it. J-Roll, always the best. Unwritten rules about contracts. I don't know about us. We're not supposed to talk about contracts. That's all we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you. Unwritten is a production of Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen of Odyssey with Ian Kay of Major League Baseball. Lena Glazer is the executive producer of 2400 Sports at Odyssey. Jody Avergan and Nick Trotta of MLB are executive producers. Special thanks to everyone at Major League Baseball and Odyssey who helped make this show happen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review in your podcaster player of choice. Or just tell someone about the show. For Jimmy Rollins, I'm Ron Darling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with more on baseball's unwritten rules.